You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, these represent a accurate slice of where Tfilos were at the period that these farm were put together. We know that there is an organic progression and evolution of the, the Siddur. We know that the way we have in our present day Siddur, we can see that from, as I mentioned last two weeks ago, from the Seder Tfiwas HaRambam, how much has been added, inserted, and has been altered. But I think that the origin story of the Tchinot, of the Tachnum, um, is really fascinating because Tachnun and Trinot have become almost um, ubiquitous. They've they've increased, they've enhanced. Um, they have changed from what they were originally. And I mentioned that uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I was medayik from the Loshan of the Rambam. Uh, and all, that it was basically a very private, uh, individualistic prayer that the Gaonim and others, even later, but the Gaonim clearly uh, memorialized what had already developed for Trinos to become uh, not just um, expressions of private uh, yearning and what individual needs, but very much a, a standard language. And what was also demanded in the Trinos was a specific body language. Uh, the Rambam himself says that, based on the Gemaras, of course, that hashtach uh, avoya is is crucial. It's not ma'akev in davening, but it's part of tefillah. I mean, the Rambam says that it's one of the eight things that tefillah should have, but it's bidyevet a tefillah without it. It's not ma'akev the tefillah, which means that even though it's done after davening, the Trina, the Tachnun, and specifically the way our bodies are contort and, 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 and are in what position they are, it, it became it's, it's considered essential. And it's fascinating the different minhagim in different communities. Um, and then when, you, when you're talking about trying to print a sitter for everyone, you realize that Tachnun minhagim and many times are the line of demarcation and the difference between the various communities from whether they're from the Spartan or the Chassidim or from the German or the Ashkenazim. So I want to share with, I want to talk tonight um, and zero in on the Monday and Thursday magnificent construction that we sort of call the, the tour uh, quote starts off by quoting the Rambam which we did two weeks ago. But then, as you can see, he immediately starts to quote the Gaonim, Ram the Trunoi, one of the Gaonim, that exactly how your face should be uh, during Tachnun. Um, then he quotes, as you can see here, um, you can see here, Varav Amram, the tour quotes the Siddur Rav Amram. Amram Kosav 
ונופן ציבור על פניהם, ומבקשים מרחמים, ושואל כל אחד בקושוסוי, once again, this aligns with what the Rambam wrote in terms of everyone has his own individual needs. But then the Rav Amram says, similar to what the Rambam says has become the minig, say what you need, but everybody should say this. We're your servants, but we're only made out of flesh and blood. What are we really? We're flesh and blood, and we're in a constant state of dying. Even as we're alive, we're basically just the dust and the maggots that are basically going to eventually get to our bodies. Of course, we say this every morning as part of Kabbalah's Omalchu Shamayim and Shachris. Rav Amram says this is what we should be saying after this was what was said, at least in his time, the time the Godim after davening. And of course, this is basically, as you can see, as we say, this is part of our uh, tefillah every single morning, not as part of tachnon. So this is the first time we've seen something that we didn't see before, which is vidui. The idea that it's not just we, we need you, God, we're worthless, we don't deserve it. But that we are Bali Avera, we are admitting, confessing our sins. We didn't see that in the Rambam last week. We didn't see that uh, from the, the, the Chazal that Chaim Kanievsky was referring to, that about every, in the Gemaras and Brachas of everybody's individual tefillos. Now we're seeing that part of what we call Tachnun, every single day, according to Rav Amram, it seems to have developed into it every, every single day to do, to say vidui. We know by the chsidim and by the svardim, they say ashamnu every single day. They do vidui every single day. And where does this come from? Where does this come from that, I mean, obviously a person should do tshuva every day, but where do we see that vidui is part of tefillah every single day. Rav Amram Gon says that this is what you should do. Now, it's not such a long vidui, but you definitely, as part of your, as part of your tchina, you make sure to include, he says, we can't say anything, God, because hevinu v'hirshanu. Okay, so that's like, I would call that a mini, a mini vidui that is said. Now, um, Kadmonim uh, have already found a source for this. Uh, it was also pointed out by uh, Rabbi David Cohen and Flatbush of the of the Shul Gvulyavitz and his wonderful Svarim on Tefillah, seven or eight volumes of a sefer called Masas Kapai, which is a nice Biurim in Tefillah. And he found the source, which others 
have pointed to as well, even the Kadmon have pointed to, and I'm going to show it to you right now. So you can see here is Daniel uh, showing us what Tfila is. Ve'etna es al-Adonai, I turn my face to God. Levakesh Tfila v'tachnunim. So there you have Tfila and very specific pleading of your own personal nature. And that could also come, as you can see, so now he explains how that works. And I do vidu as part of that. So here you have, you actually have Hirshanu, you have four aspects of vidu that Daniel shows us. The and 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 this, of course, we, you you all are familiar. But this is this is in our vidui, in our Thursday vidui. Uh, that's taken from that pasuk in Daniel that you see over here. But you see that vidui is part of it, as you can see uh, when. Um, Daniel finishes, you can see again, he says, That's a posik in Daniel. That also becomes part of our Tachnunster. a, a description of Daniel, who was known as one of the ultimate Mispalim, who, who was Moiser Nefesh, in what Tfilah meant. And you see here clearly that Viduyim is crucial, personal, and communal Vidui is part of what happens after Tfilah. If Especially if you're a regular Ashkenazi guy who only says this when either on, 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 on fast days, when he's saying slichot, right? Or when he comes to the slichot before Rosh Hashanah, right? Those are the only times we, and during, of course, during the slichot and during the series Mechuva and on Yom Kippur, but the Ashkenazim and the, the Sfardim and the Chassidim, they're saying, they're doing vidui consistently. Vidui is part of their life every single day. It's part of their tefillah every day. So you're right, Bob. Uh, I don't have a good answer. And I think, I think we all suffer, and the rest of you can chime in whether you think I'm correct. I think the rest of us sort of suffer by, now I'm being misvada, like, you know, maybe I should have been misvada before. Do vidui, like, 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 now you're doing vidui? Okay, so it's, it's five, seven days before Rosh Hashanah. You finally said, oh, let me say Oshamnu now. Uh, and, and you're right, Bob, if we would follow Daniel's, if we would look at Daniel as the, as the uh, recipe of how tefillah works, tefillah and tachnun works, we'd be doing vidui all the time, right? Now, it could be, uh, I think some of you might want to answer that too much vidui uh, makes it uh, irrelevant, right? In other words, it, what turns out is, is that, you know, maybe Daniel had the ability to keep on doing it every day, um, but if we did vidui every day, 
it becomes perfunctory. Um, and it becomes something that we don't necessarily feel means much. Uh, now, I don't want to. I don't want to get you off track. I, and I, I'm going to stop after this. I just. I, I was wondering whether. I mean, I don't know the answer. I was just wondering whether, before, the text were uh, for the Amida were set into stone, where we basically just had the brachot at the end of each paragraph in the Amidah, um, whether Hanun HaMabel Loach in that paragraph, whether, you know, the opinion in brachot that says you're not supposed to make your prayer fixed, meaning the Amidah fixed, mm. um, is that where the, the idea of putting in one's own you know, private vidui might come from. And so therefore, um, it's not that we didn't follow Daniel, but rather we, 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 left, it, we, we, left, it for, we left it for each individual to discover whatever terms he wanted to use uh, in those three of us, another three machadish. In other words, if a person like the Gemara in Brachos says, that if a person like Gemara in Brachos says, in Brachos Bob is referring to, uh, the Mishnah says that keva ain't right? Mm-hmm. And that's the number you're talking about. So there's yes. a number of opinions of what makes the tefillah into something concrete and unmoving and not really tachnunim. Tachnunim is alive with supplication and feeling and pleading to God. We don't want your davening to be that. So one of the one of the opinions in the Gemara that Bob is referring to is that you don't you don't machadish dover in your davening. You just say the text. If you don't allow your own individual personality to slip into the text, then you've allowed the field to become calcified, and that's not what God wants. So I think what you're trying to say, Bob, is it was left to the individual to be able to do that. But we know, Bob. That he isn't supposed to stand Shmon Esrei for a super long time. Um, he doesn't want to hear Chazar Sashats. He doesn't want to be, he, you do want to be able to, to, to be part of the Tvila of the Tzibor when the repetition occurs. And as we mentioned two weeks ago, that, that structure, although there's room to do your individual stuff, um, it, 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 it's, still, it's still constricted by the Shmon Esrei that you have to get to the next bracha. Um, so you're right. You could, and in other words, there's a reason why Trina is crucial. And you can see from Daniel Bob that it comes after Tvila, There's Tvila with its powerful phraseologies and everything else, but there's also Trina slash Vidui, which by definition works when it's not part of this. Uh, structure. And, it, it, and as I mentioned, I think two weeks ago, I think what we see from Rav Amram is that what developed was uh, a Hevinu Vihirshanu. Let me say it even better. He, obviously, so you have a Salicha and Mechila and Chait and Pesha. That's it. Right? So you're right, you could probably think about, well, Chait and Pesha can maybe include everything. What is Hevinu, though? Hevinu is about, I made things crook. In other words, it's basically, it's an elaboration uh, using my, my memory and my imagination 
to recognize it isn't just I didn't follow God's will, but I, I, I see myself as a crooked being. I see myself as a being that is steeped in evil, or that, that, that has created an evil environment. So even though you could say, well, I guess that's what a chet is. That's what a pesha is. But chet and pesha is just like you're in violation of statute 108 of the, of the code. Chet, pesha. But by, by, by giving us this imagery of crookedness, of giving you the images of, of, of your shadna, uh, the images that, that Vidui takes, it allows the imagination to be able to transport us to the depths of the effect of our actions. And we actually can use it to start regretting things because we actually, using this language, it conjures up the devastation of what our lives are, which, which is not really accomplished by just saying chatanu, uh, uh, right? And pashanu, because th those are just, those are very, um, you know, antiseptic terms. Whereas hevinu and hershanu, or going back to the psukim and daniel uh, that I was referring to before, as you can see, those are maradnu, right? I, I rebelled against you, right? I rebelled against you. I moved away from your mishpatim, meaning they're right here in front of me, and I'm saying, yeah, I don't care. I'd rather not have it. No, no, don't give me any of that stuff. So the, the, the imagery, I think, is, is crucial to, the, to, to, to be able to develop the mentality and the understanding of what does it mean to live as a balaveira and how your life needs to change, which is not accomplished otherwise. Now, you, again, why can't you just put this, I think Bob, you're saying, why can't you just put it into, into your regular davening? People did, but again, they didn't want to, the Gemara says that you, you need to have a sense of limit. We're going to give you some time for the but we know it's a shaw, you know, whatever it is, about an hour, whatever it is, however long the davening is, hour, an hour and a half. But now Tachnun is going to be time to do other stuff. And this is where you can see uh, the Gaonim, at least if they weren't the authors of it, they're the memorializers of the fact that Vidui uh, is essential. Let's go on a little bit. So basically, what, according to Rav Amram, every single day, when we talk about ourselves as Bali Avera, we also talk about the fact that we don't have the means as they did in the ancient times to be able to somehow ameliorate the, the, the distance between us and God. And therefore, we know our tfilos uh, have to do much more heavy lifting. So therefore, we are asking, after we finished our davening, and we know how riddled with maybe wrong thoughts and, and, and we rush through it, we ask God to please accept them as if they were actual animals and as if it was in the base of Mikdash. Um, then he, he points out, um, uh, now I'm not sure if this is from Rav Amram or not, 
but I think it is because you can see it's in Aramaic. Or uh, if Amram, uh, the tour does not write in Aramaic. Some said we should say Ravyana is Tvila, which Ravyana is in the Yerushalmi, who says that you should say this as part of your after Shmona Esrei Davening. We shouldn't make a chilu Hashem, and people shouldn't be talking about us. Um, uh, we shouldn't have to come on to people. Uh, because even though they're giving us stuff, what they're giving is always going to be less. And the truth is, is that we have to pay a large price for when people uh, are helpful to us. Uh, the embarrassment that we have is great. Um, and this was something which also some people should be saying. Also, you see, by the way, and that we do say. So that part of Tachnun, which is Ovinu Malkeinu, which is in every 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 Ashkenaz Tachnun So that again, that Nusach of Tachnun, as you can see, comes from Rav Amram Gon. Uh, at least he's the one that memorialized it. Um, now, and that so that's we know where that comes from. The tour then quotes another Gon, Rav Nutronoi Kosav, and the Fios Apayim is Bitzibra Panayim is Rishus. And again, that's what we were saying that, you know, if, if, if a community decides not to say it, for some reason they feel there's, there are, again, I don't know why they would want not to say it. Maybe there's not enough time. Maybe everybody has to go to work. Maybe people just feel that, like I was saying a couple minutes ago, that this is something that we're saying it so often, it stopped to lose, it's, it, it's lost its power on us. Ravnu Trunoi, and maybe there's a machlokas Rav Trunoi and Rav Hamram in this sense. Rav Trunoi seemed to say that the idea of everybody saying Tachnun this way is really a rishos. It does not have to happen. And if there's a community that doesn't say it, we shouldn't say, oh, what? These guys aren't really Jews. They don't really die. Nachnu lo neida. Why do we say Nachnu? We don't know what to do. <laughs> we don't know what to do, God. So he, the tour says, because basically we've done all three things that we mentioned last two weeks ago in the name of the Rambam. We did yeshiva, amida nefios apayim. Now this is sort of out of order. The Rambam says the first thing you do is nefios apayim. That's the intense, personal, quiet, long davening for yourself for your in your private way. That's the nefilas apayim or hishtach In between that, you did yeshiva, and that's where you sit up, and that's crucial that the tachnon should have that second stage, as we said two weeks ago. And then the Rambam mentioned amida, which is what we say after uvovotziyon, the tchinos of after vovotziyon. Now, here, when we say anachnu lo neida, we, we are probably talking about the amida of the Shemona Esrei itself. But even in Trina itself, Trina itself has three prongs. 
All our tefillos have three prongs. Yeshiva, Amida, Nefilos, Apayim. Where do those three body, uh, body uh, movements, body shapes that match the prayers, where does that come from? It comes from Moshe Rabbeinu, as we know, right? We have here, in, 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 as we read recently in the Torah, one time Moshe talks about the Eishev Bahar. Okay, so that is Moshe in a way in a state of yeshiva. And we know there his voice is raised a little bit louder. It isn't a complete total um, nefila. Then you have Anochi Amalati Bahar. So, and again, you have to look, is this, which are Boyim Yom this is referring to? Um, and then you have V'yisnapel Lifnei Hashem, and Nefilas HaPayim, Moshe did all of that. So we have modeled ourselves after what Moshe did, including what he did during what we call the four, 30 days of Elul and the 10 days leading up to Yom Kippur. So we don't have, Moshe sets the tone, we can't do it any other way. That's what we say. Vanachnu lo neda. So that is I, I, again. I, I should check Rav Amram if it's there. But again, this is an interesting uh, structure about how we approach every single day. Every single day we say vanachnu lo neda because we've done all three. We've done we've done Amida Yeshiva. And if he was and okay, God, we did everything Moshe did. We don't know what else we can do. We have now we're putting the ball into your court. So this is on every single day, every single day. A little bit of vidui according to Rav Amram, but it's not necessarily clear, as as Bob points out, that anyone else accepted that. As as we said, however, let's take a look at. Mondays and Thursdays. So, b'sheni v'chamishi, mosifin lomar tachnunim acher shemshaim tzirich tzibur. There's new tachnun. So Mondays and Thursdays are somehow a super day for tachnun. Once again, where does the tour? Who does the tour quote? Rav Amram Gon. Now, what do we say? We say im avonenu onu banu. Can our Averis really respond to us? Are our Averis standing and acting as the, um, the uh, prosecutor against us and telling and, and really in our face, responding to us glaringly, saying what we've done wrong? We wouldn't be able to, to subsist, we say. And there's a vidui, a complete vidui, plus vayavor. And what does that mean, vidui vayavor? Vayavor, of course, is the posse, vayavor Hashem al panav, which means the posik in Parshas Kisisa, which is going to lead to the Yud Gimomidos. So now we're seeing that the tour, quoting the Gaonim, says that Mondays and Thursdays is a day to take out the Yud Gimomidos, Hashem Hashem Keorachum Bachanum. That's Rav Amra. But the tour writing, about what he knew in Germany as a man, as a young son of the Rosh. And it sounds like, again, if the tour was familiar of life in Spain, which he was, 
He says, Bechol Evu Harotzos, E Noagin Lomar, Elavahu Rachum, Kasherukosov Visidurim. So by the time the tour was writing in the 14th century, Sidurim had been handwritten and were circulating everywhere. And those Sidurim did not have Vidui and Vayavor in it, which is interesting. Again, the Gaonim felt that there should be Vidui every day. Mondays and Thursdays, heavy-duty Vidui, plus the Yud Gimelmidus. So, so the Ashkenazi world, the world that the tour still represents, although, again, he and his father had gone to Spain, he's still basically writing as an Ashkenaz person. Um, he says, Umashem osifin tachnunem b'sheni v'chamishi l'fishechem yemei rotzo. Hmm. So it's really, we don't do vidui, but we add more tachnu. Why? The 40 days that it took for Moshe Rabbeinu to go up that third time, or a second, depending on uh, which medrash and how you learn the psukim. Those last 40 days, that God says you're going to get the luchas achronos. We know, as as Rashi explains, there was already slicha from the end of Chodesh of, but not slicha besimcha, not slicha with rotzo. Those forty days, which are called rotzo, that God is God actually comes to want us, to desire us. Those 40 days are all Yemei Ratzon. So, Ola Moshe Rabbeinu Biyom Chamishi. There's a tradition based on Medrashim that, 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 that indicate how that worked, um, based on the Yom of Mat. It's all based on the day they left Mitzrayim, by the way. It all based on the day they left Mitzrayim, the day that the Torah was given, the day that Moshe Rabbeinu goes up, the day that the luchas broke, all of that is carefully, carefully uh, earmarked by the by the midrashim and the rishonim who quote those midrashim, who explicate them, and what they have determined, and that's not our place to do it tonight, is that Moshe Rabbeinu, if you follow the timeline, goes up on a Thursday, yarad biyom sheni. Hmm. So that's how Monday and Thursday become Yemei Ratzon. Because we know at the end of those 40 days, the ultimate Ratzon. Here it is, Simcha. God is ready to accept us again. God is ready to reconnect with us. God is ready to accept us with our flaws because Moshe Rabbeinu, as our defender, uh, representing us, we down below the mountain have done our soul searching. Things have changed, just like, as we know, a child, as the Sforno explains, in the first 40 days in the womb, develops into a living organism. The 40 days, the first 40 days, the second, the third, they represent a transformation, a change, a development. And the, what, the being that is formed at the end of those 40 days is a being, meaning a nation, a community that will not air the same way that first community aired with the ego, 
but a different community, a community that has altered enough, but is there's the glow and the will of God to accept us with our flaws, with the understanding, with the real with the realism, which is rotzon, that God wants us. And that when did that happen? It happened on a Monday. The first Yom Kippur, so to speak, was a Monday. And therefore, um, the, the beginning and the end are part of the same uh, principle. They are part of one unit. So if it starts on a Thursday, it ends on a Monday, what you have in the middle, all those days in the middle, they're all part of Ratzon days. So Thursday and Monday are Ratzon days. And therefore, there's a minag that many people have to fast. Because you want to fast during a day when you believe things are going to be good for you. You fast on a time when things are good, when things, right, a day of Ratzah. And then the tour says, so basically what you have is um, <laughs> what you have is a very long tachnun. And that very long tachnun is because it's 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 it, it harkens back to the Arboyim Yom of, of of the last 40 days of Elul, and which are Monday and third, which which are sort of earmarked by Thursday and Monday. And after you do that, then you do the normal Nephilas Apayim. And then you do the other trinos as well. So Monday and Thursday, what gets inserted is a super long trina, which somehow is connected to um, the fact that these days are days of it's something else here that's not in the tour. He says, Tam tikun of v'hurachum. Why is it these prayers? Why were these the prayers that are somehow earmarked for these for this special Monday, Thursday, Thursday, Monday thing. He says, you have to look in the book called Kolbo. Now, Kolbo is a book that we don't know who was the author, but we know who he stole from. <laughs> we know who the, this anonymous author, you know, basically took his structure from and added to. It was the Sefer they called the Archos Chaim, um, which was who we know who he was. Uh, that was that was of the Barilan um, compilation of sources um, suggests the following. I didn't understand it this way, but he says the Kolbo was basically um, written by Rav Aaron ben Yaakov Akoin of Narbonne. Um, now, meaning that. This was a the early version of Aaron's work, Archos Chaim, which is written years later. I always understood it a little bit, as I was explaining before, that the Kolbo cribbed from the Archos Chaim. The Archos Chaim was Rav Aaron ben Yaakov Akoin of Narvon, and then the Kolbo was a work that was done afterwards. Um, I, again, here I guess that they've actually uh, the scholars who put together the Bariwan uh, CD uh, felt it's the opposite. That really we the Kolbo, although it's anonymous, is the Orchus Chaim 
in an earlier edition. And the Rechaz Chaim represents a better edition of what eventually we see as the Kolbo. I think the important thing to, to remember here uh, in terms of what we're doing is that the Beis Yosef did not have the Rechaz Chaim. The Beis Yosef had the Kolbo, and he quotes him and says, that there was a great miracle that somehow led to the to the tikkun of this Rachum. Okay, then he says, So he says, not like the tour. The Beis Yosef says that we actually have gone back at least the communities in Turkey and in North Africa that Cairo was familiar with have actually adopted to actually do the Tachnunim on Monday and Thursday with a Vidui, with the Yud Gimumidos, with Vayavor and Vidui Beneyem, meaning that right after the Shemona Esrei, there is Vidui, there is like a, there's a little bit of Tachnun, there is a Vidui, with the Yavor and the Yud Gimlomidos, and then you do the Vahurachum, which is not the meaning of Ashkenazi Sidurim, but it's very, it's much closer to the way it was written by the Gaonim, which there is a Vidui, maybe if not, of, 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 perhaps every day, but it's definitely including on Monday and Thursdays. The Beisiosa then quotes his Rebbe, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Abu Hav, and quoting the Gaonim, that Vahu Rachum is different than normal Tachnum. Normal Tachnum we saw is said in a quiet, pleading, crying voice. The Monday and Thursday special is supposed to be done because Ram, Uma Umid. You're supposed to say it. Um, you're supposed to say it loud. People should be, should be, you know, should should all be. With, with, with their voices on a high decibel level. This paragraph, these paragraphs, is meant, this is what we have accepted upon ourselves to do on Mondays and Thursdays. Now, this is extremely interesting to me because we saw that Rav Natrunoi said, that Tachnun on a regular day is Rishus. And for, for certain considerations, you could jettison it if you want to. It's not part of a chov, but I'm not sure which Gaonim he's referring to here, but he says that this Monday and Thursday special is something that needs to be said. And anyone who's going to not say it is Porid's gather. And therefore, Yeshli Zahir, Lomer Osomad, you you better be careful and you better say it, stand up and say it. And the and the Beis Yosef says this has become our minag. And I want to tell you, I saw this many, many years ago, this Beis Yosef. And because of it, I'm scared when, when about, about the Monday and Thursday Tvila. Uh, and, and we know that often. Bali Tfilo run through it. And you, you, it's almost like if you try to, to, to contemplate the words and you want to say it properly, 
you you if you if you before you realize it, the chazan is has, has blasted through it and is taking the sefer Torah out, and it really runs against uh, the machaber here about what what he's writing. Um, okay, sheni v'chamishi nogu b'chol makomas Yisrael, everywhere, everywhere, Mondays and Thursdays get more. Why? Look at the reason why. Hmm. <laughs> so it's almost like, well, we know that this practically is a good time to have the Bezdin. Why? Well, because people are here for Shabbos in the big cities because they need to buy food. Okay. So therefore, everybody is here with all their court cases and all their small claims. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Okay. And Mondays also, because people who have come for Shabbos, et cetera, they're about to leave. Okay, so Mondays and Thursdays seem to be the, the market day. Mondays and Thursdays seem to be uh, communally where it makes the most sense to have our court sitting. Well, we know that what human beings have decided also is indicative of what's happening upstairs. So therefore, if the Bezdin in Shamayim is also open on Mondays and Thursdays. So that's the reason why. You might think, well, it's just, you know, it's convenient to have courts here on Mondays and Thursdays. That really shows you that what's going on in Shamayim is also court is in session. If court's in session, God is not just judging these little small claims, but everything that we've been doing. And therefore, we better appeal to God on Mondays and Thursdays, standing of, of where it makes sense to have the small claims and big claims courts be in session. But the Chiddush here is, is that in Shamayim, something's happening as well. But that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's scary. It's actually Yemei Rachamim, the Kolbo says. Hmm. So there's Din, but there's Rachamim as well. Well, how do you know there's Rachamim? Well, what does the Pasik say? So Bob and everyone here knows what I'm about to say. Bay's hay. In other words, Bay's hay is Monday and Thursday. That's when God is here as the Dayan, but he's also Yudhevavhei. He's also Yudke, he's also the, the God of Rahmanus and Chesed, and he's here. He's here as the Dayan. But he's also the God of Chesed that permeates Din, and you're able to reach out to him on these days. Now, Vahurachum. Now, why is there Vahurachum? So he says, and this is the legend that I was referring to, that our subtitle refers to. He says, um, There was an incident that happened with uh, a Jewish boat. The Asa Migalusadi Rishalayim. It sounds like they were they were thrown out of Yerushalayim, this boat. And the place that they were was a place that there was some religious uh, like Khomeini type figure. Not just a you know, some sort of bluebeard or some sort of tin pot dictator. It had to be somebody who was sort of a religious fanatic. Omar Lahan Minona Matoni says, Oh, your boat landed here? Where are you guys from? We come from the Jewish people, from the Judeans. 
if you from them, I wouldn't want to test you. Just like those three were tested when they were thrown into the furnace. You guys will be thrown into a furnace as well. Begin I'm going to take a furnace that's hot and throw you guys in. They said, give us 30 days in which to ready ourselves for this uh, trial by fire. They gave him that time. So they fasted. But as this group was fasting, these group of rabbis and ascetics, they, they made a pact within themselves that during these 30 days of fasting, when dreams would come to them that would seem to be instructive, they would share their dreams. Right? So they're telling about their dreams. As they're coming to the end of the 30 days and the big fire day is, is coming, there happened to be one older man who was part of that boat who was a Yorei Chet. He had Yir Aschet. But he wasn't so learned. It's interesting that you can have that Madrega. You could be a Baal Yorei Chet, but you're not such a big Chocham. We told to the rest of them, Chamina Bechelmoi, I saw a dream, my friends. The Okru, somebody was reading to me, some angelic type being was reading to me, Chad Posuk. A certain Posuk, Taviksiv Bey, train keys. The Posuk had three times the word key, Vitloso low, and three times the word low. I'm not sure what it was. There was one older man who did know the Torah who said, oh, I know what you're talking about. What you were told isn't just sort of a dream that came out of baked beans that weren't, uh, that weren't digested properly. This was a message from God, This what you heard. Because you know what it is? I know what Pasuk you're talking about. You're talking about a Pasuk that I'm familiar with. Which Pasuk is that? <laughs> Pasuk in Yeshaya. What does it say in that Pasuk in Yeshaya? It says, Kitavor bimayim itcha itchani. When you go through water, I am with you. Ubenahoros lo yishtafucha. Those raging rivers will not overwhelm you. Kiteilach bimoesh. When you go into, when you go into a, 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 a fire, lo tichve, you won't be burnt. Ulahava and the, the flames, lo tevarabach, it won't rise up and burn you anywhere. Aha. So he said, you're the one that had the dream. You're the one when the king, this headmon, sets up this test. You're the one who's going to walk through because God sent you that pasik. Obviously, it came from God. He told you about this pasik. You're the one that's going to prove it. You who aren't such a big chacham, but you were the one that was zocha to the dream for that pasik. It's going to work. So, Avdu so the Hegmon's minions created this big this big huge fire. It was right at some, uh, it was the, the big fire was put up into this uh, big uh, meeting of roads 
this precious drachim. There was this there was this big gate in the community where the two roads met. This old man, the one that was just a frumer, but wasn't such a big yodea, he's the one who was chosen to go into that fire, to walk straight into it. And what happened? And the fire divided into three parts. And they saw it. And three tzaddikim, I'm not sure if it was three tzaddikim who were already there, or three dead tzaddikim from Shamayim came. I don't know who they were, but they came to be makabu ponim, this man. These three tzaddikim who, I'm not sure if they were from the ones that were already on this island, or they were three that somehow appeared from some, uh, like from some Shamayim. But what happened? These three, when they saw the miracle that happened to this to this fellow, the Umru, and they they sort of like spontaneously said it over. What was the first? They said, So Kadma Omar, the first one said, until the words Onamelachanun Varachum. Tanyana, the second one said, until Ein Kamocha. Talisa, the third one, Mitamonu Ahalon, from that point on. And what's the key? They all start with the word Rachum and they end with the word Rachum. And because that, what they said, was somehow etched in the memory of everybody there, and that became what we say. <laughs> So this is the legend of the Hurachim. And some of you maybe are familiar with it, but you can see that it is true. I'm going to show you now in the Siddur, so you'll see what I'm talking about. To know where to make the split in case, my friends, some of you are in a situation where you can't say all three, you at least know where to stop. Like, let's say you have a situation, like I said before, with the two... Um, you know, with the two, uh, the guys davening so fast. So you at least know that this is section one, Rachum, which ends at the words, um, that's section one. If you can get, if you can say on a melech, that would be good, but try to finish and try to get to Ein Kamocha. Ein Kamocha would be part three and that would be the third part. So that is a way to divide it. I have to tell you that um, that this does sound very much like a legend and how somehow from this story, everybody knew what they had said um, is, is quite interesting. Um, and it, it stretches a little bit of our, 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 you know, it makes us a little bit skeptical. I think another thing is you can see from uh, this fellow, Zelig Manber, who wrote one of the most, who put together one of the most important Sidurim, you can see that he has a problem with this. And he says here, you can see, Omnam, Tochan Trina Zu, If you look at everything that's said on Mondays and Thursdays, it, it doesn't seem to be jiving with this story.
of the kolbo. Because why doesn't it say ash in it? Why, why is there no mention of saving from fire? Magefa, other things. Why doesn't it say God who saved us from fire? How come fire, there's no remez of Kivshana Aish at all in there? I mean, if it's if it's from the great miracle of Kivshana Aish, and Aish was what was being done, you would think that somehow uh, the capital would somehow uh, be reflective of it. Still, you see the Beis Yosef believed, and as, as you can see, it was hallowed to the point uh, that it became uh, part of this structure that that you to, to skip it would be would be considered a, a porridge getter. It's like somebody who's not fasting on one of the fast days. So again, it's really, uh, uh, to me, uh, whether the story is the way it's in the Kolbo or not, when I see Rabbi Yosef Cairo quoting his Rebbe, uh, Rabbi Tzagavuov, and, it's, and, 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 and making it part of Shulchan Aruch this way, um, I believe that we can invest into it uh, the power that so many generations have, 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 have ascribed to it. And I think it's something that, um, you know, is, is, is definitely whether this is the reason why it happened or not, I think it's something that ensures it probably makes sense, especially during Elul, as Elul is really the, the, the Monday and Thursday, I, I, and Vahurachum, I think, is something which they're sort of fused together at the hip. It's because it's Monday and Thursday. It's because these are the Elul days. Therefore, especially during Elul, every Monday, Thursday, uh, during Elul, whether you're, whether you're a Sephardi and you say Slichos early or not, this one, this, this special should be something that should be said clearly with a tremendous amount of, of feeling and understanding as much as possible. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.